Chapter 16 of The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Girls at Foaming Falls by Laura Lee Hope. Irene's Story. The terrified Irene was actually following her words with action. Grace and Molly caught her as she started to plunge past them into the shadows of the hall. Come back here, Irene. What is the matter? Answer me. In her fright and bewilderment, Molly was shaking the younger girl roughly. Stop crying and tell me, what frightened you so? The girls were clustered within the pale radiance of the lamps, their faces white and tense. Irene had sunk upon the edge of the bed, trembling violently. Molly still retained her hold upon the girl's shoulder. Oh, I felt it! Irene's voice sank to a tense whisper. It was like a hand, a shadowy hand, brushing across my face. Amy cried out and caught the arm of the girl nearest her. This happened to be Stella. What happened then? she asked feverishly. I ran in here. I thought I should die of fright. Oh, it was horrible, horrible. Don't let's stay here tonight, girls. Can't we get out, can't we? With an effort, Molly pulled herself together. We could, she replied with a pitiful imitation of her usually brisk manner. But since we have come this far, it seems to me we ought to manage to put up with one night at least. The thing that brushed your face, Irene, was probably a cobweb. Goodness knows, there were plenty of them when we came up here before. Grace was bravely trying to follow Molly's lead. But Irene stubbornly shook her head. She was calm now, but pale and shaken. It was not a cobweb, she said decidedly. I opened another door. I think it was probably the door leading up to the attic, by mistake. Before I could close it again, I heard a horrid slithering noise, and something brushed past my face. It was a hand, I tell you. I could feel it reaching for me out of the darkness. Molly jumped quickly to her feet. She knew that their courage could stand no more of this. She was conscious herself of a desire to turn and run to get somewhere, anywhere, away from this terrible house, to go where there were people and lights and familiar things. We need something to eat. That's what's the matter with us, she said. Anybody's nerves are apt to be jumpy on an empty stomach. I think what frightened you, Irene, was, as Grace said, only a dangling cobweb. We'll get after them with the broom and dustcloth tomorrow, and so lay that particular kind of ghost. Irene was silenced, but it was easy to see that she was not in the least convinced. It required considerable persuasion and Molly's arm about her to induce her to descend the stairs and again pass the closed door of the front room. Once in the kitchen, all felt better and set about preparing the evening meal with more cheerfulness than they had yet shown. Let's get something we don't have to cook, Amy suggested. I have a horror of that oil stove. I'm quite sure it won't work. Oh, it will work all right, said Molly. Only I'd rather have time to clean it and refill the tank before we experiment. What shall it be, then? asked Stella as she examined the row of canned goods they had bought at the general store. Baked beans or sardines? Both, and plenty of them, commanded Grace. I have just begun to realize what a painfully empty void I possess. Ha! She recovers, cried Irene trying her best to follow Molly's example and be brave. I guess we won't have to call in the doctor after all. 
By the time the five outdoor girls had consumed the contents of several cans of beans and sardines and two quart bottles of milk, they found themselves in better spirits. They could even face with equanimity another trip through the terrors that lurked in the gloom of the big hall. Molly took advantage of this spurt of renewed courage. She knew from her own sensations that at the very best it was only temporary to urge the girls upstairs at once. We can leave the dishes until morning, she said. I, for one, am too tired to work that old pump tonight, and everything will seem better in the sunshine. What do you say? Wisdom falleth from your lips like pearls, my dear, applauded Grace. Let's hie us up to the upper regions while we still have strength. Only, she added with a frown that included them all, if anybody jostles my elbow again while I am carrying the lamp, she is apt to get badly jostled in turn. Remember, I carry a dangerous weapon in the shape of yonder trusty lamp, and I shall not hesitate to use it should occasion require. Break not that lamp on my old white head, but use poor Stella's head instead, chanted Irene, thereby proving that she had recovered from her fright in the hall above. Stella gave her a good-natured shove toward the door. Better not pick on me, or I'll make a cartoon of you what am a cartoon, she threatened. You've already done your worst, Irene retorted. I'm not afraid of you any more. The girls managed to get upstairs without a return of the wild panic that had sent them scuttling twice before. Perhaps it was the effect of their dinner, or perhaps it was because they were already becoming used to the happenings in that strange house. Nevertheless, they were relieved when they reached the sanctuary of the front rooms and locked the doors behind them. As though locking the door could keep the ghost out, said Amy whimsically. Nevertheless, she turned the knob experimentally the second time to make quite sure that the door was locked. The sight of the beds made up with clean sheets and blankets neatly spread at the foot was reassuring. The girls had dug up their nightgowns too on that earlier visit to the upstairs rooms, and these lay invitingly at hand, giving an atmosphere of home to that dreary place. The windows had been flung wide open and the soft summer breeze floated in, bearing the scent of flowers and the musical rush of the waterfall in the distance. Irene came over and joined Molly at the open window. Together they stared out into the mysterious night. Irene sighed and turned away. It would be such a beautiful place if it were not for that miserable ghost story, she mourned. Well, all we have to do is say we don't believe it and then stick to it, Molly pointed out. Irene shook her head and there was a return of the frightened expression in her eyes. I could say that, she whispered, if it had not been for that thing in the hall, Molly. That was horrible. Shh, Molly put a firm hand on the younger girl's lips. Don't let's talk about it any more, dear. Probably tomorrow we shall all feel very different about everything. It was decided that Molly and Irene should sleep together in the room without the couch, the other three girls occupying the second room and taking turns with the couch. Grace was to be the first to have the single bed, and she insisted that it be moved from its close proximity to the door. Not that I'm in the least nervous, she told the teasing girls, but I really do need all the air I can get from that window over there. They crawled into bed declaring that they could not sleep and slept almost as soon as their heads touched the pillow. It was near midnight when Molly awakened to find the moonlight streaming in her window. She lay there, every nerve tense, 
listening. End of chapter 16. Read by Joni Vatinen, Elk River, Minnesota, July 29, 2022.